Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Welcome to our services today, Southside Baptist Church. It's the Lord's Day, amen. He's given us another opportunity to come to His house and worship Him and fellowship with one another and partake of, of the Lord's Supper. So today is definitely a special day as we remember uh, what Christ has done uh, for each and every one of us uh, today. So what I'm going to do is things are going to be a little different today, uh, so just bear with us, no pun intended. Uh, so... Uh, I'm going to do the announcements kind of right now. So there's several things that I want you to be aware of. First, uh, the children's department needs volunteers. Okay, We've got a sign-up sheet here. I'll lay these sign-up sheets over here. So uh, when uh, God directs you this morning that you need to volunteer, here's the sheet you need to sign up on. Uh, so they'll, they'll be aware of that. So those will be up here as well. Also, ladies... Uh, don't forget the uh, October the 16th, this Saturday, is the Southside Baptist Church, the ladies' luncheon. Uh, so you, here's the sign-up sheet for that. They need to know who's coming to that as well. So I encourage you to be a part of that. It's going to be a good morning. Uh, I personally know the speaker, uh, and she's personally going through a lot of stri- uh, struggles right now. She has a stage 4 cancer. Uh, and so uh, she uh, has a wonderful story, a wonderful testimony, so I do encourage you to be uh, a part of that. You will be blessed uh, if you are. So those those sign-up sheets will both be up here. You can sign up for those. Also, don't forget, we now have a uh, the, the sign-up sheet for the ARC Encounter. If you plan on going to the ARC, um, remember, your, your, your $75 deposit is due on the 31st of October, uh, but we go ahead and sign up uh, on this. Uh, so here's the sign-up sheet. It will be out there on the table. Uh, so if you're going to be a part of the ARC, make sure that you sign your family up uh, for that. That's the, our, our trip in, in in April. And then finally, last but not least, uh, the expo is uh, not this week, but the week at, next week, the week after next, uh, coming up. So here's the sign-up sheet for that. So if you want to be a part of the expo, put your name on here, the days and the times that you can work and where you want to uh, work. They're going to need volunteers uh, uh, for that uh, coming up. So those are some things you need to be aware of. Make sure I got all of my uh, information here. Oh, and finally, uh, our mission, Georgia. I challenged you with a thousand dollars. Okay, we are uh, twenty-five dollars short of that thousand dollars. Okay, so uh, way to go. Uh, we're not there yet, but we're really close. Uh, so be aware of that. Uh, it's amazing what God can do uh, in the lives of, of his people if we would just allow him to do that. And remember, all the things, those videos that we've been watching, that's where that money goes uh, to help support that in the Georgia Baptist uh, Mission Board. So we're $25 short. Okay, $25 short. All right. 
Everybody heard me, right? $25 short. Okay? So, uh, but let me encourage you to give what God uh, is asking you uh, to give uh, for missions here in the state uh, of Georgia. So I think that is it. Again, welcome uh, to our services. We had 35 in Sunday school today. It's not 71, uh, but that's okay too. Okay? So God is still good, y'all. God is still good. And so so let's go to the Lord and pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you and thank you, Lord. We've got a lot going on. A lot of things that are happening and a lot of activities, uh, Lord. But uh, first and foremost, uh, we need to make sure that we are centered and we are focused on you. That our lives, Lord, are, are centered on you. That everything that we do uh, comes from that vertical relationship that we have uh, with you, Lord. Uh, and so as we uh, prepare uh, today, God, as we prepare to, to remember, as we prepare to remember, we begin now to, for us on the cross, Lord, I pray that we begin now to prepare ourselves. We begin now to to seek out our hearts and, and, and decide where we are in our relationship with you. Father, if there's things that we need to uh, to repent of, Lord, I pray that we begin to do that now. Uh, Father, we, we, just, we, just, we just praise you and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to, to be in your house today, Lord, to fellowship with one another. Uh, Father, and to just, uh, we just seek your face now, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Doing 361. I'm going to ask you, let's stand for both of these congregations as long as I believe you sound better when you stand up. (laughs) I have more air, I know I do. (laughs) We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship Christ the Lord. Worship him, Christ the Lord. Let's Magnify his name and worship him. Let's forget about ourselves and magnify his name and worship him. Let's forget about ourselves and magnify his name and worship Christ This is my 
I'm going to change it up again uh, this morning. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to be reading starting in verse 17. Paul's letter to the church there in Corinth. And he's speaking about the Lord's the Supper. The message this morning again is going to be uh, geared towards uh, the Lord's Supper. The title is this. Do... In remembrance of me. Do in remembrance of me. If you found that chapter 11 verses 17. We'll be reading through verse 34. If you found that passage. Please stand as we honor the reading of God's word this morning. Paul writes this. He says. But in the following instructions. I do not commend you. Because when you come together. It is not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not know, do you not have houses to eat in and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. 
Verse 23, for I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant. The cup of the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Verse 30. This is, my, this is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Verse 33, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give directions when I come. Father God, we come to you. Lord, we want to prepare our hearts to receive not only your word this morning, Lord, but also to receive the Lord's Supper. We do. We want to remember the Lord's Supper. We want to remember why we do what we do. We want to remember uh, the significance of the bread. We want to remember the significance of the fruit of the vine. And Father, I pray that as we uh, walk through this passage from the Apostle Paul, Lord, this morning, I pray that we do uh, this in remembrance of what Christ has done for us on that cross. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. One of the things I've noticed as I've gotten older is I have a tendency to forget. Y'all laugh because you're right there with me, right? I have a tendency to forget birthdays, anniversaries, names and appointments and all those other things. I have a tendency uh, to forget. In fact, I had a dentist appointment uh, this past week. And the day before that appointment, that office called me and reminded me. What was interesting is they called me the day of the appointment to remind me as well. It's probably a good thing because I probably would have forgotten the call that I got the day before. So we oftentimes forget. Think about your cell phone. On your cell phone, there is a calendar, and I use that calendar often. And when you put something in your cell phone, you add it into the calendar it gives you an opportunity, most phones gives you an opportunity to put an alert. Well, what that alert does, it just, it comes up, it pops up on your notifications or whatever to let you know that you have an appointment. Uh, you can do it uh, two days before, or a week before, or whatever, or you can do it 30 minutes uh, before. Well, I do all the above to make sure that I know where I'm supposed to be and when I'm supposed to be there. So, Forgetting appointments can be a painful thing. It can be painful in the pocketbook. In fact, if I had forgotten my dentist appointment, I would have been charged for that appointment had I not canceled it within the 24-hour period. And so we've all probably had those painful moments when we've forgotten 
something. I'm sure us guys have forgotten our anniversaries, and that is a painful moment. A painful moment. So we're forgetful people. God knew that we were forgetful people. Jesus knew that the disciples were forgetful people. And so God gave us the ordinance or the command to observe the Lord's Supper. It is in remembrance of Christ. It's in remembrance of what Jesus was going to do on that cross. So the Corinthian church, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, they had a bunch of ongoing issues. They were divided. The church was improper worship. It was causing a great deal of problems among the believers there in Corinth. There was improper worship. There was sexual immorality and questions about spiritual gifts and questions about marriage and idol worship and questions about the resurrection and on and on and on and on and on. And Paul writes this letter addressing those issues. But he also addresses another issue, which is the issue we're going to see this morning. And this issue is just important. He addresses it head on. And that's the issue of the Lord's Supper. And in a nutshell, the Lord's Supper for the Corinthians, it had lost its significance. The Corinthians, they had forgotten what the Lord's Supper was all about. It had become just an opportunity for the Corinthians to gather together to eat a lavish meal And to help themselves to much wine. Which most of them, or a lot of them, were getting drunk. So the Corinthians, they had had forgotten the true meaning of the Lord's Supper. So here's our point this morning. Paul reminded the Corinthians, as he does us today, to remember the significance of the Supper. Remember the significance of the Lord's Supper. Take the Lord's Supper in remembrance of what Christ has done for you on the cross. And so for us today, Christians, we need to do the same thing. We need to take of the Lord's Supper. We need to take of that supper. We need to take of that bread and that fruit of the fruit of the vine and remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. Remember. And so this morning we're going to walk through this passage. We're going to see four truths about the Lord's Supper. Four truths about the Lord's Supper that Paul gives us in his letter here to Uh, The Corinthians. Number one, the Lord's Supper is a call to remembrance of the cross. Look at verse 23 through 25. Paul writes, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and we didn't give him thanks. He broke it and said this. He said this, This is my body, which is for." You do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, in these three verses, there's a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. It it gives us a picture of what Jesus did for us. In fact, believe that. Now, most conservative scholars, in fact, believe that this letter of Paul to the Corinthians was written before any of the gospels. Okay, so Paul's instructions was the first biblical account of the institution of the Lord's Supper. This would have been given to Paul directly from the Lord. 
And Paul wouldn't have gotten any of this information through reading any of the other apostles. So we see what Paul's talking about. He says, for what I received from the Lord. Paul received this directly from the Lord when he's talking about the Lord's Supper. So when we consider the institution of the Lord's Supper, we need to make sure that we do this in context. So let's, we, in order to do that in context, we need to look back to the Old Testament. We think back to the Old Testament. The themes of the Lord's Supper can be traced back to the Old Testament. Think of the bread. All right, the bread, it represents the broken body of Christ. We see that same broken body in Isaiah chapter 42. In Isaiah chapter 44 and chapter 53, remember the suffering servant passages? Those passages directly relate to Jesus. They talk about the Messiah. They talk about the stripes that Jesus endured for us. So we see the bread, it represented that broken body of Jesus even back 700 plus years ago when Isaiah wrote before Christ was even on earth. The wine, that wine, it represents the blood of Christ. You remember the atonement passages in Scripture. Think about the think about the meal that Jesus is sharing with the disciples at this moment. It's the Passover meal. The Passover meal represented what happened in the Exodus in Egypt. Okay, that's the significance of the Passover meal. You remember that Passover. You remember what happened to the Israelites. The Israelites had to do what? They had to sacrifice that unblemished animal and take the blood of that animal and do what? Put it on the doorposts and the lintel. For one purpose, when the angel of death came through the firstborn of the Egyptians, he would pass over those homes that had the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. So we see the significance of the blood right there in the Old Testament, in the in the uh, Exodus, the passage of Exodus there of Egypt. But notice what Jesus also he speaks of a new covenant here found in the blood found in his blood. Not the blood of animals, which was the Old Covenant. When you think about the Old Covenant, you think about the Day of Atonement. In the Day of Atonement, they would sacrifice one goat for the covering of sins. And they would put the, the, the sins upon the other, the scapegoat. And that scapegoat would be sent out, carrying, the way, carrying away the sins of the people. Remember now, that was done once a year. It was a temporary thing. It would take away the sins of the people. They would have to do that repeatedly. They would come back year after year after year after year and do the very same thing for the sins of the people. But that shedding of that blood, you also want to go back to Genesis. Remember that after the Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? He sacrificed that animal to cover their shame, to cover their guilt. So there's the first blood sacrifice. You see that even back in Genesis. So you see the importance of the blood. But these all point to Jesus Christ. They all point to the sacrifice that Jesus would make on the cross. The blood that Jesus would shed on the cross. This is the new covenant in the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood would grant forgiveness. Jesus' blood would grant freedom. Not in the blood of a goat, but in the blood of the Savior. In the blood of the Son of God. Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus would be the sacrificial atonement. He would be that substitutionary atonement for the sins of the world. And unlike that old covenant, this new covenant found in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was ratified once 
and for all. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 28, the first part of that verse, it says, So Christ, notice what it says here, having been offered once, once, to bear the sins of many. It wasn't an ongoing thing. The blood of Jesus shed on that cross was a one-time deal, offering you and I the opportunity for salvation through the blood of Christ. The unblemished Jesus. Remember, the animal had to be an unblemished animal. The blood that was shed had to be from an unblemished, perfect animal. Think about when we take of the Lord's Supper. Let's, let, let, let's think about the elements for a moment. Let's think about that bread. That bread, it symbolized the broken body of Christ. Jesus was beaten. His body was, body was broken. None of his bones were broken, according to Scripture. But Jesus' body was broken. His body was beaten. They would take that cat and eye tails and they would put that, that metal in there and those bones on the end of that thing and they would last Jesus and they would put the skin would be pulled off of there and flesh would be pulled off of Jesus. Jesus was beaten to the point where he would have been unrecognizable to most people looking at him. That bread that we take in this Lord's Supper represents Jesus' body broken for us. The wine. The wine, the fruit of the vine, symbolizes the blood of Jesus. Speaks to the blood atonement provided through the blood of Christ. So when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we do it as remembrance of the body of Christ that was broken on our behalf and the blood that he shed for our sins. I want to caution you something here. The elements of the supper are symbolic in nature only. Okay? They're symbolic only. The Lord's Supper is an ordinance for us. An ordinance means it's God-ordained ceremony, an act of uh, man in obedience to God. We do not believe that the elements, the bread and the wine, are sacraments, which some do. A sacrament is simply a conduit or a means of grace. So, in other words, partaking in the Lord's Supper would actually... Be a means of grace to some. But we do not believe that. We just simply believe that it's an ordinance. And we are doing it in obedience to the commands of God. Nor do we believe, as some, in the literal interpretation of the Lord's Supper. What do you mean by literal interpretation? Some believe that the actual blood and the, 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 the wine, if you will, or the fruit of the vine, once the it is blessed actually turn into the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Which is a little gross in and of itself, but still, that's what they believe. We do not believe that. All we believe is that the, blo- the, bo- the, the bread and the, wine and, the, and the fruit juice or whatever it is, the fruit of the vine, some use real wines, we, we do not. We use uh, whatever the, the grape juice. We believe that it is simply symbolic. When we partake of that, it's a symbol. Right? It's a symbol of the body of Jesus. It's a symbol of the wine and the blood of Christ that he shed for each and every one of us. Luke 22, 
19 says this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's what? There is no remission of sin. So without the shedding of blood, without Jesus' blood being shed for each and every one of us, there is no new covenant. There is no forgiveness of sin. Can you imagine? Can you imagine every single year going to the temple to sacrifice for the sins of the people? Can you imagine that? Every year, Jesus did it once and for all. Speaking of his blood, Jesus said this to his disciples, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26, 28. So on the night of Passover, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper so that we would always remember his atoning death on the cross at Calvary. And so when we take of the bread, when we take of the fruit of the vine, we do it in remembrance of him, in remembrance of Christ. So remembrance is key. But Paul gives us a second truth here. Number two, the Lord's Supper is a call for unity. A call for unity. Look with me at verses 17 through 19 first. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. (gasps) Divisions. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. They were coming together as a church, which is a good thing. That is all good. We come together as a church. It is a good thing. Paul says, when you come together, so they were meeting regularly as a church, which we meet regularly as a church. But when they would come together as a church, they were coming together for the wrong reasons. Note previously, again, the the Corinthian church, they were the poster child for disunity. Okay, If you want to know what disunity looks like, you look at the Corinthian church. They followed different leaders. They were taking one another to court. They were arguing over meat, sacrifice to idols. Again, spiritual gifts and the truth about the resurrection. So they were this, there, there was a lot of disunity within the Corinthian church. You know, there's going to be divisions within the church. You know, in, in fact, healthy divisions are good. They're good. We need, we need some of those divisions. They, they help us to, to grow together. They help us, they benefit us if they're healthy. But these were not healthy divisions. Because those healthy divisions... Let us know who is genuine and who is not. Genuine there means real. That's what Paul's talking about. Those who are approved. Those who receive uh, not the approval of man, but the approval of God. There were genuine believers in this division in the church, albeit not a good division. It was letting those around them know who the, were the genuine believers. There were genuine believers. And they were recognized for being just that, true believers. But here's the problem. Look at verse 20. Paul says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat in and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No. 
Paul says, I will not. The problem was when the people came together, it wasn't for soul searching experience. Or fellowship. Or for the symbolic act of obedience or for the gathering of God's covenant community, the church. To celebrate and commemorate the finished work of Christ. When they gathered, it was for selfishness. It was all about themselves. It was about those who have and those who have not. It was about the wealthy having no regard for the those who were hungry. It was all about the selfish elitism and self-centered disregard for others. Selfishness, selfishness, selfishness. All across the board. They came together. One big party. Eating and drinking to their heart's content with no concern of others. And certainly no concern for the true nature of the Lord's Supper. They were just eating to get drunk. Eating to, to get full and eating and drinking uh, to get drunk. I'd imagine that, that many of them didn't even remember what they were doing. But they were coming together for the wrong reason. So I wonder, church, why do we come together? Do we come together because we scheduled the Lord's Supper? We need to come together knowing that we are trying to come together as a unit. As the body of Christ, we come together and we partake in the remembrance of what Christ did for each and every one of us. His church. We've got to avoid coming together just to oh, what the Corinthians were coming together to do. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 4. He calls on the church at Ephesus. He says to maintain, uh, maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. The Lord's Supper, it's about a covenant, covenant community coming together unified in the faith. We're coming together to, to remember a single event in history. That affected each and every one of us. And we must confess. and We've got to repent so we can come together free of bitterness. Free of anger. Free of division. And free of any pride that you and I may have. So we've got to remember. We've got to come together unified as a church. We've also got to come together with a life that's set apart from the world around us. Notice the third truth that Paul gives us here. The Lord's Supper is a call to holy living. Now, this is personal. This is a personal command to each and every one of us before we take of the Lord's Supper. Paul calls on holy living. Look at verse 27 and 28. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Holy living is a way of life. We're set apart from the world around us. As children of God, we are called to be holy as the Lord is holy. We should not live. We shouldn't act. We shouldn't talk. We shouldn't think the way the world around us does. And so Paul reminds us elsewhere that we are to be different than the world around us. He says, be in the world, but what? Be not of the world. 
The Corinthians were being of the world. We're different. We're called to be different. So when we uh, take a hard look at ourselves, we've got to make sure that we're worthy of taking of the supper. The Corinthians were not worthy. They didn't have personal holiness. So I wonder this morning, do we have personal holiness? They were eating of the supper in an unworthy manner. It would have been a ritualistic way instead of with the heart and mind sold out in participation. They'd have been irreverent without discerning the significance nor the importance of the supper or what the supper represented. They didn't care. They didn't care what the supper represented. They didn't care about the importance. They didn't have hearts and minds that were sold out to Christ. They were being irreverent. Paul found them guilty. Guilty there, he means that they dishonored the ceremony. They dishonored the body. They dishonored the blood. Treating lightly the gracious sacrifice of Christ. When you and I come and and partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, we basically spit in the face of Jesus. We spit in the face of Jesus. We take lightly the gracious sacrifice of Jesus Christ when we come to the table in an unworthy manner. The very sin that you and I bring with us to the communion table is the very sin that Jesus died for. It's the very sin that the body of Christ was battered for and the blood of Christ was shed for. I don't know many of you that come to the dinner table with oily, greasy, and grimy hands and clothes. But when we come to the table and we partake in the Lord's table with sin in our lives, in an unworthy manner, we come to the dinner table with oily, greasy, and grimy clothes and hands. We do the same thing. So Paul makes clear, we need to examine ourselves. We need to be honest in our self-examination. We need to self-examine our motives and our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes towards the Lord and towards others. I remember when I was in biology class, and as I already told some of y'all, I like biology, I like science. One of the things I liked doing was looking through a microscope. I liked doing that because as I looked through that microscope, those microscopic things come into focus. I began to see even the smallest of things as it was revealed, whatever the whatever the uh, magnification of that microscope uh, microscope was, I could see those small things. We need to examine our lives like a microscope examines that microscopic whatever it is. God, church, is our microscope. Don't look to your family. Don't look to your friends. Don't look to your wife. Don't look to your kids. The microscope that we need to be using to examine our lives is Almighty God. Because He's the one that looks it up in a microscopic way. He's the one that sees our hearts. He's the one that understands our Mind. So we need to take that self-examination. We need to look at the Lord and say, Lord, uh, open up to me. Reveal to me the issues in my life before I come to the table. 
Well, why do we need to do that? Well, Paul goes on to say in, in verse 29, he says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, the Lord, we are, when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. So that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Paul says we need to be discerning. We need to examine ourselves. Discerning there means to distinguish, to note accurately. We've got to discern our bodies. We've got to properly judge the holiness of the celebration of communion in relation to our holiness. Instead of treating it with indifference. Because when we treat it with indifference, it brings judgment upon ourselves. Judgment there refers to discipline of the saved. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Chastisement. Listen, I don't know many of you who want to be judged by the Lord. I don't want to be judged by the Lord. I don't want to face the judgment of God. Now, I know my salvation is secure. But I don't want to face the judgment of God. Because I've come to the table. Unholy. Some of them had done that. And notice what Paul says. Some of them had been weak. Some of them had been ill. And some had even died. God had taken some of the Corinthians out because of their unworthy partaking of the Lord's Supper. That's what Paul's talking about. They had died because of their unworthy, uh, take, their unholiness. Coming to the table of God and taking it uh, from, from those unholy. God had judged them. God had judged them. This is the direct correlation with the judgment of God and the suffering of man. Now, not always. Now, remember now, we are not always judged by God. All, the suffering that you and I go through is not always because God is judging us. Some of that suffering you and I go to is brought on by ourselves. The silly things that you and I do, it's not always brought on by God. You know, we live in a fallen world, and in that fallen world, there's suffering, there's pain associated with that fallen world. So not all the suffering that you and I face is because we're being judged by God, but some of it certainly is. And in this case, the suffering of the people was directly related to to the judgment of God for continuously despising the Lord's table. And I'll tell you this this morning. We have been warned. We're warned right there. Paul had warns us, not just the Corinthians, but Southside Baptist Church this morning as well. So we have got to rightly examine ourselves. Judge ourselves, not before man, but before God. Let God be that microscope. Looking into our lives, looking into our hearts. This means that we discern rightly the sinful ways in our lives. We seek forgiveness of those ways, turning to, to away from our sin and turning to God. Leviticus 19.2 says this, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy for the Lord your God. I am holy. 
So in preparation for the supper, I've got some questions that we need to be asking ourselves. And I want you to ask these this morning. The first one is this. Is my life different from the world? These are personal in nature and only you can answer these. The second one. Am I hiding anything? Number three. Am I the same person in private as I am in public? Number four. Is there a sin I need to forsake of? Number five, is there an act of obedience I need to make a part of my life? If there's sin in your lives, church, you need to repent of that right now before we take of the Lord's Supper. And finally, Paul gives us one final thing this morning, one final truth about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a call to look forward. Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread, And drink the cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper is not just a memorial to be received by Christians. The Lord's Supper is not simply a post-resurrection celebration. And the covenant community for the covenant community of believers. It's not just an act of obedience. It's not just a command of God. The Lord's Supper, when we do the Lord's Supper, what we do is we remember, we continuously remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We remember the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. We remember the body that was broken for each and every one of us. But we also anticipate His glorious and future return. God is coming back. Jesus is coming back back and that's when we partake of the lord's supper we also we remember what jesus did in the past but we also remember that jesus is coming forward so it's a coming coming again it's a it's a look forward the corinthians they were to proclaim the lord's death through the supper until he would come again and that is exactly what we do today church we celebrate what jesus did for each and every one of us on the cross but we also look look forward to that day when Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, it is in that return that the church will celebrate the wedding supper of the Lamb. Revelation nineteen seven. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give Him glory because the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has prepared herself. One day, one day, we'll not just celebrate remembering Jesus. Remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. One day, church, for those of us who are believers, we will celebrate the supper again with Jesus Christ Himself. We will share a meal with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the death of Christ is not the end of the story. The cross leads to the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and coming of Jesus. Meanwhile, when we partake of the supper, when we partake of the bread, when we partake of the fruit of the vine, we look forward to the time when Jesus will come back. We look forward to that time when we will again celebrate that supper with our Lord and Savior in person. He is coming again. Jesus is coming again. So as we close the message this morning, before we enter into our time of taking of the Lord's Supper, not necessarily going to have an invitation this morning. 
But certainly if there are things that you need to do and decisions that you need to make, we can do that after the service. Please don't, don't, don't think that that's, that that's not off the table. But what we're going to do is I want to pray. I want to pray for our supper. I want to pray for each of you. And I want to pray that we have our minds and our hearts right as we close. And then we'll enter into our time of the supper this morning. So let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.